Morning, Grace Chapel. <clears throat> you know, my leg is probably doing good enough now that I could stand, but you know, I've really gotten kind of fond of this stool. It's really comfy, so I'll keep using it. Makes it a little less formal, too. If you're wondering why my hair looks a little different today, Ruth got after me with the blow dryer this morning. I'm not sure that I'm going to let that happen again. Just saying. All right, let's pray. <clears throat> Thank you, Lord, that we have the opportunity to come together as a body of believers, Lord, to celebrate you as the Lord of all in our hearts. We pray that everything that's said and heard and understood today would be accordance with your will and the leading of the Holy Spirit. Lord, draw us together in a bond of love and unity so that we may serve you and accomplish your will. And we ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. So I've really in, been enjoying all the different perspectives that we've had the privilege and the honor to uh, um, partake in over the past several weeks. I know um, there was a hope that uh, when Pete left, since we had some advance warning, that it would just be a short period of time, you know, when we would have uh, uh, our new senior pastor, who God already knows, right, and is already identified. It's just a matter of us conforming to his will and his uh, plan. But at the same time, I feel like we've had the opportunity to come together as a body of believers to love and care for one another, to support each other, to learn from each other. Um, the other uh, night we were talking about, you know, the need for us to be authentic um, people, right? When people come here that are new, perhaps, and even those of you that are here, you should sense that we are willing to um, acknowledge our own shortcomings, that we are imperfect human beings, um, that we all suffer. We have uh, things that have happened in our lives and things that we've done that we regret, uh, and that none of us are perfect. Only He is perfect. And that, that way we can feel comfortable sitting next to each other, right? Because we're all uh, in the same position. We're all sons of our Heavenly Father, sons and daughters, I should say. And today, what I thought um, we could talk about is one of the aspects of being a Jesus follower that can be the most difficult, confusing um, things is the understanding the will of God, right? I don't know if, if it's the same for you, but oftentimes I find myself struggling to, in a particular circumstance, to understand, well, what, what is God's will in this situation? So I'd like to just go over some things this morning that you already know, uh, but just as a reminder, uh, because this is so important, right? Once we've made that choice, right, to follow Jesus as our Lord and Savior, because it's more than just belief, right? Even the demons believe and shudder, right? They know who he is, and yet they don't follow. Um, but when we choose to follow, then the next thing that becomes important for us is to uh, put our life on in a direction that is aligned to God's will. And sometimes, honestly, that, that can be uncomfortable, right? God never promised us that his will for us was always going to be easy or comfortable or perfectly understandable. It's not a requirement that we understand. That's really hard for me because I like to understand why, 
You know, there's so many things, you know, that happen and you just say, why? And uh, there are things that we'll just never know the answer to that and yet we continue to follow. Um, so let's start with the fact that we as human beings are different from all of the rest of the created um, things that exist here on earth. Um, the thing that sets us apart from all of the other creatures is that we were made in God's likeness um, and that we have a free will, right? The rest of creation does not have a free will, right? A duck can't choose to do beaver things, right? It just doesn't happen. They have been given God's perfect will and they live out their lives according to that perfect will. It's only us as humans um, who have a choice in that. Um, when we talk about God's will, it's important that we make an important distinction. Um, God's will is split into two halves. He has his perfect will, which was the will, his desire, and his intent for all of creation um, from the beginning of time until now. His perfect will was defined and applies uh, to the world. Um, this is difficult for even believers to wrap their head around. Um, like the, the, the other created um, beings in, in the earth, uh, they are fully aligned to God's perfect will. They can't deviate uh, from that. Um, the second half is God's permissive will. And this is where it gets difficult for us. Because while God has a perfect will, because he made us as human beings in his image with a free will, um, we are subject to his permissive will. And that's really kind of difficult. If any of you are fans of the uh, series The Chosen, um, there's an episode, I think, in either season two or three where there's a conversation between Jesus and little James who in the series, Little James has a, a disability, and Jesus talks to him about the reality of that. Very powerful. If you haven't seen it, I would encourage you to watch it or go back and watch it because it is talking about the existence of God's permissive will and how that impacts our lives as human beings. Um, unfortunately, since we're subject to God's permissive will, uh, we have it allows us to do things that are contrary to God's perfect will. We are unique in creation, except for perhaps the angels, to have that kind of a choice. Um, now, there's a whole other discussion about why God set it up this way. Why is there a permissive will? Why did there have to be a permissive will? Why did he give us free choice? Uh, actually, there's a single one-word answer to that question. Anybody care to speculate? No. Love. It's love. Yeah, Matt had it. He was just too afraid to say it. <laughs> love, right? It's love because love requires the ability to choose because love is not a feeling. Affection is a feeling. Um, care and concern are feelings. But love, in the way that God designed it, is a choice. Choice. It requires us to choose. Okay, well, we're here for a reason, a specific reason. We're here as 
the vehicle that God chose to accomplish his will on earth. You know, the disciples, one of the things they really struggled with was the fact that once they finally understood who Jesus really was, or they got close to that, probably took them a while to get their arms completely around that, Jesus left, right? And in the beginning, they didn't understand that. And the church, I think, over time has kind of struggled with that. But Jesus left, and he gave us the responsibility to accomplish his will here on earth. Now, that's a huge responsibility when you think about it, that for God's will to be accomplished, that it requires us to play a part in it. That's why it's so important. Well, we're here for that reason, uh, for that responsibility, and uh, by fulfilling God's will in each of our individual lives and our daily choices, this is how we bring glory to God. This is how we bring others to a knowledge uh, of God and to salvation. Now, one of the interesting things you'll notice throughout Jesus' ministry, he used a very specific title for himself. Um, we call him the Son of God, but he always referred to himself as the Son of Man, the Son of Man. Now, there's a couple of reasons why he chose that term, but one of, it, one of the reasons was so that we understood very clearly that while he was divine, he was also a human being, um, just like us. And that was more than just the fact that he had a flesh and blood body like us, um, it was also because he had free choice, right? Now, that might be an interesting theological debate. Uh, could Jesus have chosen to sin? I'm not going to go there, but I'll just stop with the fact that he had to choose. He had to choose because love requires a choice. Uh, let's read a small... Oh, wait. Am I behind on my slides? Where are my slides? Okay. So... You recognize, and I mentioned this before, that those of us that are filling in uh, in the, the teaching desk are paid by the slide. <laughs> so I added a couple. So there's a first slide. Let's look at the next one. I thought that was nice too. That's where Ruth and I are going to be next Sunday. So, um, and I do have a real slide. Go ahead. So that's just so you're keeping track, that's three slides. Three slides. Okay, uh, let's read in Mark uh, 14, 32 through 36, which reveals this principle very clearly. You're very familiar with it. Mark 14, 32. Then they went to a place called Gethsemane, and Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John with him and became very troubled and distressed. He said to them, my soul is deeply grieved, even to the point of death. That's an extraordinary statement. Remain here and stay alert. Going a little farther, he threw himself to the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour would pass from him. He said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Yet, not what I will, but what you will be done. Father, not my will, but yours be done. Now, it's extraordinary to consider whether or not Jesus had, I mean, it seems pretty clear there that he had a choice. 
and yet he chose the path of obedience, setting the uh, pattern and the standard uh, for us. But as Jesus followers, um, understanding and accomplishing God's will can be difficult, it can be frustrating, it can be disturbing, it can be all sorts of different things uh, in our lives. So let's go back to the basics because there's really not too much mystery here. Uh, we have several sources of the knowledge of God's will. And the first one is obvious. It's right here. Not my cell phone, but it's not 1-800-call-a-psychic. You know, it's your scripture, right? The Bible, right? We all have access to a Bible, and it would be probably not an exaggeration to say 90% of your questions about what God's will is in a given situation, you can find in there, right? And we need to remember that, and that's why it's important for us to study God's word and to be familiar with it and to use it in our daily lives as a uh, baseline for understanding God's will, because there are plenty of statements in there that are very clear. Um, the second one is uh, revelation of that scripture through the Holy Spirit which means that we know the word, and some of you, I'm sure, have had this experience where a very familiar passage of scripture that you've known all of a sudden takes on new meaning in a certain circumstance. And you see it and you understand it in ways that you hadn't understood it before. That's the power and the presence of the spirit in your life, and we need to depend on that. The third one, also pretty obvious, is prayer. If we look at 1 John 5, 14, it says, This is the assurance that we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. He hears us. Uh, the fourth place that we can find understanding of God's will is through the thoughts and teaching and actions of other Jesus followers. God can use people who are submitted to his spirit as guides and helpers for us to understand his will in our life. Now, of course, that comes with a big caveat, right? You need to be listening to and paying attention to the right people, um, and that's on us. Uh, but God will use other people, especially when we get in situations where we're clouded by emotions and, and kind of uh, disabled by the situation that we're in and, and feel like we just can't penetrate that, that fog. Um, having close relationships with other people who are Jesus, sincere Jesus followers can bridge that gap for us. And that's part of the reason why we all continue to come together and why Jesus said, don't, don't forsake gathering together. And we also need, as I said in the beginning, we need to be authentic with one another. We need to be willing to be vulnerable, to share our own shortcomings, the things that we have struggled with, because that doesn't make us look bad it makes us look like Jesus followers, right? That we survive based on Jesus' righteousness, not our own. And one, of course, in the list of uh, ways that we can discover God's will that's almost always going to come up is testing, right? Because we have this story about uh, Gideon as an example of uh, going through a process to try to determine um, God's will in Gideon's situation. But we have to be very, very careful with this. And, and I'll just say, in my own humble opinion, um, this is probably a path of least resort. When all else has failed, 
and you're facing an important decision, um, I would choose testing as a last resort because it's used very rarely in Scripture and in, it's only in very unique circumstances where God was asking Gideon to do something that defied common sense. Now, God's will can often defy common sense. And it, we may be years down the road until you understand why a certain thing was necessary. Um, so, uh, well, Jesus was very blunt about this, uh, wasn't he? he? He had this conversation with the enemy in Luke 4, 9. said the devil brought him up to Jerusalem, that's Jesus, and had him stand on the highest point of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, here's the devil quoting scripture. He will command his angels concerning you to protect you. And with their hands, they will lift you up so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus' response to him was, it is said you are not to put the Lord God to the test. So there are scenarios where that is completely inappropriate. This was one of them. So just be careful. All right. And number six source for the knowledge of God's will as our own salvation and sanctification, both through the filling of the Holy Spirit, which comes at that point where you make that decision, but then also through your life. You will learn how to discern God's will uh, as you mature in the Spirit. Romans 12:2 says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So let me give you a few important principles on knowing God's will. First of all, it's important that we understand that we can obstruct God's will in other people's lives, not just our own but we can obstruct God's will in other people's lives, and we need to be very careful about that. Number two, knowing God's will is not enough, right? It's not enough. You have to act upon it. You have to act upon it. And you could, we could go into James and his talk about how faith without works is dead. What he's really saying is that's not faith if it's not generating behavior, if it's not generating action, then you can't really call it faith. And this is true for us as we evaluate God's will for our life. Once we know it, we have to act upon it. Um, we can choose to do God's will, or we can choose to ignore it. Now, there's a really simple definition for that behavior, knowing God's will and ignoring it. It's another one of those one-word answers, and that would be, oh man, there was not enough caffeine in that coffee this morning. What does it mean when you know God's will and refuse to do with it? What is that? It's sin. It's sin. I know that's it's a revelation to you this morning. That is sin, knowing God's will and not conforming to it. Boy, we have to go back to basics. Matthew 7, 21, not everyone who says to me, this is Jesus speaking, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven. Only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. Now, as I said before, it's not always easy in a particular circumstance to know the will of God right out of the gate. There's some work that we have to do um, on our part. 
<coughs> and uh, I want to touch briefly on one topic that will always come up when you're talking about God's will, and that is uh, the presence of suffering uh, in this life. Uh, the question is, is it God's will for people to suffer? Well, the answer is no, not according to his perfect will. According to his perfect will, there should be no suffering in this world, right? It is not part of his perfect will, but it is allowed through his permissive will. Um, some will even go so far as to say that the presence of suffering in the world is evidence that there is no God. Well, that's not true. Um, as Jesus followers, we need to be clear on this topic. The cause of suffering is not God, right? Rather, it's from one source that has two manifestations. First is a direct consequence of somebody else's sin, right? We can suffer as a result of other people's wrong choices. And secondly, we live in a fallen world, and we suffer the consequences of living in a fallen world, uh, illness and storms and all of that. But this, too, is also the result of our ancestors' sinful choice back in the day. <coughs> Despite this, God promised that he will use even these things, even suffering, even pain, uh, to accomplish his will. He was very clear on this. One of my favorite verses is Romans 8:28. It says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And if God works through all things, that means he works through what? <clears throat> all things, yes, even difficult things, even tragedy, even suffering, God is able to bring good to accomplish his will even through evil behavior and things that happen in our lives. His will can still be accomplished. And that is a great promise that we really need to cling to because when we're experiencing those things in our lives, we need to grasp hold of that promise that he will bring good even from this situation. So what is God's will? A couple of final thoughts here. Uh, Jesus said this in John 7, 16. My teaching is not my own. It's not my own. It comes from him who sent me. If anyone chooses to do God's will, he will find out if my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own. And this was Jesus challenging those who claimed that he was not who he said he was. And then again in John 6, he says, For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise him up in the last day. That is God's perfect will. Um, I've got a book here. <clears throat> Many of you are probably familiar with it. Uh, it's called In His Steps. It's written by Charles Sheldon. Been around for a long time. If you are interested in this whole topic of knowing and understanding God's will, I'd encourage you. It's a work of fiction, but what it does is it shows what could happen when a group of people collectively decide that they're going to try to live their lives as best they can according to God's will as they understood it. Very moving. I, I would really encourage it. It's a quick read. <coughs> and so the last thing, um, and we understand this, we need to remember it when we're pursuing God's will, that the rewards are great. The rewards are great. 
the more we pattern our lives according to God's will, the more blessing we will receive. It doesn't mean that there won't be suffering. It doesn't mean that there won't be trial, because again, we live in a fallen world with sinful people, ourselves included. We can make bad choices. And I, I love Andy Stanley's phrase. He says, we are not mistakers. We're not mistakers. We're sinners. Yes, own it. We are sinners, right? It wasn't a mistake. It was a sin. A mistake is turning right when you should have turned left. If you chose a path that's contrary to God's will, no matter what it may be, that's a sin. But the blessings of being as close to the will of God in your own life are tremendous, not only for you, but for the people around you, right? God will use us as agents in other people's lives. So in Matthew 12, 50, Jesus told us this. He says, whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. And that's what I would like to be. That's what I would like to be, and that's what we are as we call upon the name of Jesus as the source of our salvation, our redemption, and the source of God's will in our lives. Let's pray. Lord, we would ask that you would reveal your will to us day by day, step by step. Give us the strength, Lord, when your will is difficult to accomplish or difficult for us to find. We know that it is your desire that we know and follow your will, and we pray that you would allow us to do that. You would give us the strength and the wisdom and the guidance through your Holy Spirit each and every day to accomplish your will in our life and to bring glory to your name. And we ask this today in Jesus' precious name. Amen.